So I think I've discovered what the most annoying thing about wearing masks all the time is. Bad breath. It used to be everybody else's problem and now it's our problem. Let alone that, but if you've ever burped with your mask on, it's gross. We have a choice of what we can do with that. We could take our masks off and do like before and make it everybody else's problem again and not our own. We could sit there and just go, oh my goodness, my breath is so bad. Or we could actually do something about it. That's kind of like sin in our life. A lot of times, our sin is everybody else's problem more than it is ours. Or, on the opposite end, we sit there and wallow, I can't believe I did this one more time, or am I ever going to change? Or we could do something about it. Because the reality of our life as Christians is that deepening our faith, growing in our relationship with God, always starts with an awareness and an acknowledgement of the sin that's in our life. There's no other way to do it. And it's because it's the way that Jesus showed us that is the way to the Father. In our first reading, Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a young man when God first called him, and he promised him, you will be my spokesperson to my people, and I will give you the words that you need to speak my word to them. And Jeremiah goes, well, I don't know, but that sounds pretty good, speaking the word of God. And then today, in the reading, now he's been God's prophet for a while, and he's facing persecution from the people because they don't like what he has to say. And his response to God is, you have enticed me. In some other translations, it's, you seduced me. Or in another translation, you duped me, O God. God, you promised me all these good things, and now this stinks. This isn't what I signed up for. Or St. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, he's encouraging them to present their bodies to God as a living sacrifice. That the life of a Christian is to become a living sacrifice. Remember what happens to sacrifices? And then we have Peter in the gospel. This gospel that follows directly last Sunday's gospel, where Peter, Jesus is asking his apostles, who do you say that I am? And Peter comes with this great proclamation of faith. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus' response to that for Peter is amazing. This gift has been given to you by my Father, and I give you the keys to heaven, and you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And then where we pick up today is that Jesus starts to tell them that he is going to have to suffer and to die, and on the third day rise again. And Peter hears this and goes, God forbid it, you are not allowed to suffer, you are not allowed to die. We're going to build this church. You need to be part of it. And Jesus' response sounds kind of harsh, get behind me, Satan. But when you listen to what Peter says, he says, you're not going to suffer, you're not going to die. Which then implicitly means you can't rise either. And that's why Jesus says, you do not think like God thinks, you think like humans think. Because Peter was rejecting the suffering and the death, the resurrection was impossible. This is the pattern 
that Jesus has laid out for the Christian life, suffering death for the sake of resurrection. And as Christians, we all want and long that promise. We want the resurrection. We want to go to heaven. We want the blessings that come from God in this life. But it's a package deal. We can't have one without the other. And facing our sin in our life very much feels like suffering and death. And so we have a multitude of ways in our life that we avoid facing that part of ourselves. Whether that's engaging in the pleasures of this life or shoving it into our subconscious so that we don't have to think about it or kind of mitigating it in our life so it's not as bad as it really is. But there's a great quote from G.K. Chesterton who says, the Christian ideal has not been tried and left wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. The Christian ideal has not been tried and left wanting, but it has been found difficult and left untried. Jesus is trying to draw us in to facing this for the sake of being able to fulfill in our lives the promises he gave. But he can't force that on us. YouTube, by probably some grace of God, actually suggested to me a video that was worth my time instead of just wasting my time on YouTube. It was a documentary on a religious sister named Sister Claire Crockett. She was a young woman who was born in Derry, Ireland in 1982. So she was a young girl in the midst of all the chaos that was going on in Ireland. And that's the environment that she grew up in. And she didn't grow up in a particularly strong Catholic family. And as she grew up, she was very much engaged in acting. And by 17, she was already in a feature-length film, and she was getting more and more offers for jobs, and she seemed to have some real promise for fame in acting. And one day, she was invited to go to a trip to Spain, and she thought it was going to be this great beach trip where they were going to spend the time on the beaches of Spain and enjoy the party life that was there. And then her friend that invited her got sick and couldn't go, and she went with the group to Spain and realized when she joined the group that it was actually a pilgrimage. And she went, well, that's not what I signed up for. And they were in Spain during Holy Week, and so they were in Spain at Mass on Good Friday, and the veneration of the cross came up, and one of the other pilgrims told her, you have to go up and kiss the cross now. So she came up to the altar to kiss the cross, and what's really neat is there's actually video footage of her doing it. And she goes and she kisses the feet of Jesus. And later on, when you hear her give her testimony, she said, in that moment, I knew that my sin was what put him there. And it changed her life. Within a year or two, she joined a religious order, and she started to grow in kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Her other sisters acknowledged her as unique in the way that she was following Christ. I don't know why this documentary stuck me, struck me so much. Maybe it's because she died in 2016 in an earthquake in Ecuador while serving there at the age of 34, which is how old I am now. But what's 
interesting about this documentary, because they're trying to push her cause forward for canonization, is there's so much video footage and interviews with her that you can see the conversion in her, in the way that she speaks and the way that she acts. You see that work of grace in her life. But where did it start? It started with her having to acknowledge the depth of sin and how that impacted her relationship with Jesus. Now that sounds harsh and difficult, but we know this to be true inherently. Just think about when you have gone away on trips or vacations, excursions. What are the stories that you remember and retell over and over again? It's when everything went wrong. It's not when everything was perfect and there was nothing going on. Oh yeah, we saw these beautiful things. No, it's when things went wrong. The stories I tell over and over again was when I was in Europe for World Youth Day and how I went without my luggage for seven days because they kept promising it the next day, the next day. So I never bought any new clothes and stayed in the same clothes for seven days. Or the time that we decided to go hike the West Coast Trail for the first time doing a backpack trip and by day three realized we didn't bring enough food. But those are the stories and the experiences that shape us. Facing that weakness, facing those errors in our life is what brings us new life, conversion. Because it's the pattern that Jesus has laid out for our Christian life. Suffering, death, and resurrection. It's part of what makes marriage so hard. Because when you're married, you can't hide from yourself. You're constantly having to face your own weakness and your own inadequacy. And it makes it hard. I tell people that was the hardest part about being in the seminary, is you had to face yourself. And we don't always like what's looking back at us. We have to face that. But not for this kind of begrudging, oh, I've got to face all the garbage in my life. It's because it's what brings us the joy that Jesus desires for us. It is the way to the peace that he promises in the resurrection. But he never forces us to face it. He never shoves it in our face, saying, look at what you've done. He allows us to come to him. In the same way that later, Peter, who denies Jesus three times, what's Peter's great moment of conversion? on the beach, at the resurrection, when Jesus comes to him and says, Peter, do you love me? And then Peter faces his sin. It's part of the reason that Mass, at the beginning of Mass, we always start with that penitential act, I confess. And you may have noticed that in the last few weeks, I've tried to extend that moment of silence before we actually begin that prayer. The reason is that we need to actually take a moment to reflect back on our week and go, what has happened this week that I have put in the way of my relationship with God? And to ask for forgiveness for it in that moment. It's a small moment of an examination of conscience. So today at Mass, reflect on how the Mass itself follows this pattern of suffering, death, and resurrection. Suffering through that act of contrition at the beginning, through listening to me preach, 
And then the death that we experience in the Eucharist, when we remember in that moment Christ's death or the breaking of the bread. And in the moment of resurrection, when we come and we receive Holy Communion, a foretaste of heaven. It's the pattern of our Christian life. So let's rejoice at the prospect of having to face our sin because it is the way to the promises that we all hope for.